Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. Thank you all for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I'm your host, Mark Jackson. It's Friday, February 26th, and wow, can't believe... February is already pretty much over. Uh, you know, this last few months have flown by. Craziness. Anyway, onward and upward. Today, I have Chris Natalini from the awesome fucking thrash band Blood Feast here at the Metal Forge. And before we get into talking with Chris, I'm going to make this really short and really sweet this week because I've got some allergy things going on. I'm trying to conserve my voice, and I've got a long interview with him coming up. So... Thank you to the sponsors, Maxwell's House of Music, Mom's Music, Tattoo Charlie's, The Wrestling Steve Show, and Better Days Records. And if you're in the area of Louisville, Kentucky, stop in at 921 Barrett Avenue. Check out the independent metal section where you can get Bats Ecstasy, Blood Feasts, EP, Chop Sliced and Diced, so on and so forth. More, Haunt, Bewitcher, Tyrant, awesome fucking bands. Check it out. We got CDs, vinyl. We have everything you want. We even got that smooth jazz if you like to get all a little freaky. So this is from the EP, Chopped, Sliced, and Diced. This is Hunted, Stalked, and Slain.
All right, Metalheads, I'm being joined on the line right now with Chris Natalini from Blood Feast. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, what's going on, man? Oh, man, just, you know, rocking and rolling February right on through. You know, this this was the last interview of February. We're kicking ass right into March, kicking that fucking door. Oh, nice. Dude, how how has the new year been for you? Uh, you know, the new year, I, I consider myself one of the lucky ones because I am staying busy, uh, you know, which we can get to later on in an interview. But, you know, we're currently, Blood Feast is currently recording uh, our next record. So we've been busy. We're, we got things going on. We're definitely, we're definitely not standing still, which is a great thing in this day and age. We, you know, we talked about, you know, with so many bands about the COVID bullshit that's going on where so many bands have released material and haven't got to play live and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely been a bummer that way because we had so much planned in 2020. We had, Maryland Death Fest, and then we had, uh, that was in May, and then uh, I think we were supposed to do a Rage of Armageddon show, which we do every year, uh, and that's, that took place in New York, but that was a uh, that was like a three-day festival, and there were all kinds of bands coming in. Uh, I don't remember that date, but it was, um, you know, we had Maryland Death Fest, and then we were supposed to do six days in South America, and then we were supposed to go to Germany, the, the, the South America was supposed to be in September, then we were going to Germany in November, and it just, you know, as you know, everything just completely, you know, screeching halt. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're, you know, and they just announced, I guess, a week ago, um, you know, that they've uh, pushed Maryland Death Fest back to 2022. Oh. So hopefully that will take place um, because we are really, really looking forward to it. That's on a, it's a personal bucket list of mine. And I was really excited when we got it originally, and uh, we thought we were going to be able to do it in 2021, but we're keeping our fingers crossed for 2022, so we're hoping that it goes down. Well, hopefully that goes through. You know, it's got to be something really messed up to be on some of these big shows like that, like Maryland Death Fest, or uh, even on a lower tier for like Psycho Las Vegas, or even some of these uh, Danny uh, Wilmer productions. Some of these shows out there where bands get together and this is like the the one really big show they play a year, if it's being pushed back for, you know, two years at this point, you got to wonder if some of these bands will even be together again. Well, you know, man, and, and that was the one thing, one of the real exciting things about us playing Maryland Death Fest was we were on the same bill, or excuse me, we were on the same day as Violence. And you know, oh, being yeah. obviously being, being a huge thrash metal fan, like Violence was, you know, one of the they're just one of the greatest bands. And uh, so we were looking forward. We were playing on the same stage the same day. We'd already seen the lineup. We were a couple bands uh, in front of them, so we were really super psyched to play. And then it got past the 2021 originally, and we were like, well, you know, hopefully Violence will be able to play. And then when they promote, when they said couple weeks ago or a week ago whatever it was that that, uh it was getting pushed to 2022 they were like we're not sure about violence now um you know for what we understand obviously if you've seen in the news you know they got signed they got a big deal and so there's other things that they're going to be able to do and um yeah you know there's a ton of bands that we were looking forward to playing with we don't even know if they'll be able to make it you know from overseas or you know their home countries and yeah it's just been a this whole thing's just been a complete nightmare, um, but hopefully it will all kind of come together again. Definitely. And you kind of hit on something there I wanted to bring up. With violence, for example, 
a band straight out of 80s San Francisco, you know, California thrash, right? They kind of disappeared into the 90s and didn't get really back together until here a couple of years ago, which Blood Feast had kind of done the same thing. They were mm-hmm. they were a band, kind of disappeared there for a little bit, and then back in 2007, Adam got the band back together again and started piecing people in over the next 10 to 12 years or so. And you mm-hmm. and you came in the band in 2010. Yep. So, how did that, that just how did that work out? I mean, did, were you friends or did you send in an audition tape? How did that work? Or an audition well, MP3 at that point. <laughs> uh, well, you know, here's the thing. So Adam Tranquilli and Tom Lorenzo, Tom being my bass player, um, and then our current drummer, Adam, they were in a band together. And uh, in that band, Without End, where they were all together, they would play uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania a lot. Uh, I'm not far from, because I'm from Philly, so I'm not far from Allentown. If, at that time, I was in a band called Dawn of Correction, and we would play the same festivals in Allentown. At that time, Allentown was a huge, it, it just, it, it became a really cool place to go see metal. I don't know what happened. It just kind of exploded on the scene, and bands were coming in. And so what happened was, uh, Adam and Tom and Adam had a mutual friend that I had. Her name was Tracy. And she was just a big supporter of the local scene in Allentown. She was like, you know, the person you always go to when you want to pass out flyers or help sell tickets. She was just that person. So in a general conversation, I just happened to say to her, hey, listen, Donna Correction was coming to an end at the time. And I'm like, hey, just by chance, if you ever hear any band that needs a singer, let me know. And I don't know. It may have been a few months later. I'll never forget it. As long as I live, I was out at the grocery store. And she texts me and she says, hey, I have three questions. Do you have a passport? Do you want to go to Germany? And do you want to audition for Blood Feast? And I was like, yes, yes, and yes. And then she <laughs> put me in touch with our guitar player, John. And he sent me a list of songs they were currently doing. I learned three. And then I went to Bayonne and we rehearsed for a whole weekend. I drove up there on a Friday. We rehearsed Saturday. I stayed overnight, rehearsed Sunday. And they came home and got, I think, within the next week or two, they were like, hey, do you want the gig? And I'm like, yeah. And then that was, uh, and then I think it was probably April. And then in July was my first gig at um, Headbangers Open Air in Germany in front of 23, 2400 people. Fucking right. That's like a, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things where it's like, if you were a fan of the band before that, which I'm pretty sure you probably were because, you of know. Of course, of course. I, because I've been a, a fan of the band since like, Oh, two when I was just like really super digging into like the underground shit that didn't like, you know, the bands that are not the big four. <laughs> and just, um, that's gotta be like a dream come true almost, you know, to be singing for this fucking awesome band. <laughs> you know, man, it, yeah, it, 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 honestly, it really truly was. It, I don't actually know if it's hit me yet. Like being in the band, you know, 10, 11 years. Um, I, you know, I think it's only been, within the past handful of years that I, I stopped feeling like the new guy. Um, you know, because Gary was such a, had such a unique vocal style. And, you know, of course, when I came in, I was trying to emulate what Gary did because there are hardcore fans out there that did like Gary style, me being one of them. So I tried to emulate what he did and put a little of myself in. Um, it was nerve wracking, man. It was nerve wracking for the first couple of years because being, you know, and uh, obviously being the, the new singer, um, because Gary had such a unique voice and a unique style, it was definitely nerve wracking. And it took me a long time to kind of just 
find my way, uh, my own way. And then I had a conversation with Adam one time when we started talking about recording new. And he was like, listen, I, you know, I don't want you to be Gary. I want you to be you and I want you to do your own thing. And then it just kind of, you know, fell into place. And, and I mean, even live, I still throw in some Gary things because there are people out there that prefer Gary other than me, um, which is fine. It is what it is. I totally get it. I totally understand it. Um, but I, you know, now that I've been in the band 10, 11 years, I'm comfortable in what I've done and what I bring to the band. Definitely. And it's also one of those things to note as well for the, for the listeners out there that don't know is that the last full length album was Chopping Block Blues in 1989 before you came along. That's correct. So yeah. they did yep. a split again in 89, but didn't release a new full length or, or actually it doesn't look like any new materials until 2017. Yeah, that that is that is correct. I mean, there's been a few releases of like demoed stuff or original recordings um, but yeah, nothing new and original. And that was a lot of the issue with the former members in Blood Feast when, you know, when I joined, we still had Kevin, the original drummer, and John was another guitar player. And Kevin being original, uh, he really kind of wanted to just play the hits. You know, he just kind of wanted to play, which I, which I get. I totally understand. He didn't really want to put the energy into getting new material out there. But Adam, you know, Adam Tranquility, like he had something to prove. It was his name and people knew who he was and he wanted to do new stuff. And, um, so when John and Kevin removed themselves from the band and we just decided to move forward and start recording and we've been, we've literally been recording ever since. Definitely. Well, I've always been a big proponent of content is king. And the more yeah. content you produce, the more you can get exposed to other people. Because yeah. if you've got yeah. new stuff, you're always evolving. There's these bands, you know, and, it, and I think this is the difference between a good national band and a good local band. And that is the good local band thinks that they're going to get it off of this one album that they've done. You yeah. know, and continues to play that or re-record re songs from that. And then the the good national band to great national band is going to constantly be writing new stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and I'm a big, uh, you know, as me being a fan of music and being a fan of metal, like, and I get where you know, a lot of these bands put out new material, then they go on tour and they don't, you know, they barely play anything off the new record or maybe they play one song. And, you know, with Blood Feast, like, we try to mix in everything. You know, obviously people want to hear the classics, but now that we've kind of built a whole nother chapter of the band. A lot of people do want to hear the, the newer stuff that, uh, you know, that I was on, but as a fan, like I, I get it. I, you know, when these bands just don't go out and play the new material, but I like hearing new material. I can't tell you how many metal shows I've been or even rock shows I've been to, or it's been like a small club or, you know, B level band or whatever. And the guy, right, we're going to play this new song. And like, there's only like me and a couple other people like, yeah. And everybody's like, no, we want to hear, you know, your old classic stuff. And, I don't, you know, I understand on the artist side of it, but I don't understand on the fan side. Like, if you're a fan, you want to hear new content, new material. Oh, you know what I mean? And that's just me. No, I agree with you 100% on that. There's one thing, the thing that gets me, and I, I get shot for saying this, but I'm not a big fan of Kiss's later career, but I would really love to hear some of, like, Domino or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, not, I'm telling you, bro. You know, some of that stuff, you know, that's not, like, that's not first six albums. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I do. I listen. I agree with you. And it's hard to do. When you have a catalog of, of like 150 songs, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Van Halen the same way. But, you know, it's always cool when you see these bands and they throw in a, you know, a song or two that they haven't played in years. And, you know, you can see the crowd difference. I mean, you can see the people who are the true blue fans of that band. And then you see the people who just want to go and see, you know, rock and roll all night and, you know, Gene Spit Blood and they want to hear Beth. And, you know, you, and those people are cool too. It's just, as a music fan for me i like i like to watch bands kind of expand and move on and you know whether the record's good or not i like new content like i like when bands go we're in the middle of recording a new record i love that man i love that because i go oh i can't wait because you know i'm a fan of that band well with being a vocalist i'm sure you put as much into it as adam would with the guitar work that there's these these little sweet spots where this lick on the guitar, you know, that's, that's it right there. Bam. That's going to get people going, you know, and you can do that with the vocals too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously we don't, you know, we don't write with, you know, with parts in mind or we'll do this, but when it comes together, we go, man, live, that's going to be the tits. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be that sweet spot. That's going to get everybody moving. And sometimes it is, and then sometimes it's something else that you didn't even plan on, and then it just kind of happens. You know, it just kind of evolves into something on its own without even trying. Absolutely. There's no other experience like it. So what inspires you to write music? Hmm. Well, I guess number one is I just love to write. I love when I get inspired. Um because, you know, sometimes it is hard to write. And I'm sure any of your listeners that are listening that are musicians, they'll tell you, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. And, and I like when a spark goes off and I go, yeah, like that's it. And then it just kind of flows out of me. Or if I hear, you know, if Adam and Adam and Tom and CJ write something, they write a song and I go, man, I know the perfect kind of lyrics that are going to fit to that. Excitement, man. To be honest, that's what inspires me. Excitement and passion because I love to do it. I just love to be excited over writing or hearing a new song. For sure. Again, it's like a child. You're raising that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So in the writing process here, when you all do get together, like I said, you know, they're up in Bayonne, you're in Pennsylvania. You're not too far away, but you're, you know, there's still a little bit of a distance. So do they all get together? How do you all do this these days? Well, you know, it's funny because three of the guys are from Jersey. Tom, my bass player, is from New York, and then I'm I'm just right outside of Philly. Um, them guys get together once a week um, for the most part, and you know they'll hash out songs or let, let's just say uh, let's just say for the new album, um, they've been doing the music, they've been writing the music, and then they'll kind of send me. CJ will record something and he'll send it to me just to kind of keep me abreast, and then when we're ready to go. Then I'll come up and I'll put lyrics to it or me and Adam will maybe work, you know, on something, um, you know, sometimes over the phone, like we'll have a conversation and we'll talk about it. So, yeah, well, basically what happens is the band just kind of writes and they put it together. And then when it's kind of ready to go, because Adam, for the most part, writes probably, I would say, 85, 90 percent of the lyrics. So when the music is done, he has the lyrics, he knows where things are going to be placed. He'll maybe shoot himself on a video and send it to me just so I kind of have an idea or I'll just, or we'll just plan a day or a weekend that I'll go up and we'll, we'll start rehearsing. Definitely. All right, Chris, hang on just a second here. We're going to take a real quick break. We're going to come back. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. 
You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show. And I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like, like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. The recording process with you guys. Now, do you all still go to the actual studio or do you record this at a home studio of one of the other members? So I am pretty lucky um, with Blood Feast. We, uh, we rehearse in CJ's studio, kind of, Earthquake Studios. So what happened, or the Chateau Bow Wow, um, what happens is where we rehearse, he has a control room in another room. So nice. we're literally recording in our practice spot. So it is just one and the same. Because CJ does all the engineering. He does all the mixing. And then, of course, you know, we'll send it off to Hell's Headbangers to get mastered. But CJ does everything in house, which is super nice because especially if there comes a time where, um, like, I'm going up in two weeks to do vocals. So let's just say that I'm just not having a great day. And we're not losing anything but time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we, me and CJ just look at each other and go, you know what? It didn't work out. We'll do it next week. You know, and I had that comfort because we're not spending, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour pressed for time. I'm, the only thing we're pressed on time is we're just trying to get it done to get it out. But you know, we don't have to worry about the things that a lot of people, a lot of bands going in studios have to worry about. So we're l really lucky that way that our practice place is really our recording studio. Definitely. And that's become more of a thing, you know, over the last 20 years where there's been so many bands get into the home market. And I think it's really kind of hit the studio life a little bit where it, studios aren't really profiting as much. It is, man. And especially in times of COVID, you know, when, when the lockdown first happened, uh, you saw a wave of musicians like putting out things because everybody was recording from home. I mean, I was part of a, uh, it was a project called Here and Now and it benefited first responders. I did my vocals in my basement. Like I, I downloaded a, a program on my computer and I just sang in my basement and turned in the vocals. And in this day and age, man, that's how it is. Now me personally, I'm not a big fan of that because I would rather be in a studio when I have a guy in a control booth that goes, Chris, we're going to do this. We're going to try this. We're going to do this. But for like your guitar players, drummers, bass players, keyboardists, and there are some singers and rock on if that's what you can get done. But that's what happened, man. When the lockdown happened and nobody could do anything, everybody kept, like, like you said, putting out content and getting, keeping their name out there. And I think it's a great thing. I mean, it sucks for studios. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything. I mean, I think studios will always be around because there are just some people that are just so good at what they do that I don't know if you could go anywhere else because there's so, you know, there's so many great studios out there, so many great engineers, so many great producers. Oh, very much. And then just jumping from one level to the next at that point. You know, work, yeah, being able yeah, to work yeah. with people like Cameron Webb or just people like that in general. There, there, there Absolutely. has to be a cutoff. The whole digital versus uh, recording analog and stuff like that. That's a big debate as well. So, yeah, yeah. And I like, and that's the one thing about, you know, recording with CJ too. Like we, we use real drum sounds. You know, it's, it's, there's not, you know, there's not, uh, it doesn't sound digital to me because there are some records that I hear and I go, my God, that, you know, the, 
the quality and the production is so crisp and clean, but it sounds too digital. With us, with Blood Feast, like we try to keep the old school attitude with the old school sound. I mean, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I like to hear that demo. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I want it to be crystal clear and everything good, but you know, there's got to be some rawness to it. I mean, that's oh, what for sure. is all about. That's what Blood Feast is all about. Yeah, for sure. You have to have that, you know, that real quality sound to it, you know, because for one, you know, with a band like Blood Feast, who's been around for over 30 years at this point, you've got to have some bit of continuity between what was originally done and what the new era for you guys has has become. Yeah, because it, it, it's very important to me. I mean, it's all, all, all of us, obviously, but to me, uh, it's real important that the Blood Feast fans, the, the the people that have been with us forever, I want them to be able to, you know, what they expect. I want them to be able to put on the, the record and go, this is exactly what I was expecting the sound-wise. Because I am, CJ, I'll tell you, sometimes I could be a mixing nightmare. Like, he'll send me a file and go, how's this sound? I'm like, nope, snare needs to come up. Like, we need to change this. And it's just what I hear because I know what I like to hear as a fan of Blood Feast and of Thrash Metal. And I just, I, you know, I want to incorporate that into what we do. And uh, knock on wood, it's, it's worked so far. So I'm happy, but CJ's not happy about it, but I'm happy about it. Definitely. On the live aspect here, you had to ask answer three questions. You know, did, okay. you, did you want to audition for Blood Feast? Did you have a passport? And did you want to play Germany? So <laughs> speaking of some live stuff here. If you could play any major concert event from Days Gone Past, what would it be? Oh, uh, Days Gone Past. There's two, uh, but I will pick one. Uh, I would say an Ozfest. I think the first Ozfest. Oh yeah, like '96 or something like that, or '95. Yeah, man. Like I mean, that you know when I when the first Ozfest was like typo negative fear factory pantera and like cold chamber was on the side stage and they headline that like you know, the eyes that was just a really cool thing to do um so definitely definitely eyes fest would have been something that i would have loved to do now my runner-up not the yes but i gotta get it out <laughs> uh my runner-up would be the us festival from 1983 i don't know how old you are mark oh, i'm yeah. old but that was you know like priest and Van Halen, like that turned Van Halen's career around, and Molly Crew played, and like that that show I would have loved to do. Oh yeah, but I, you, but you answer to your question would be Ozfest. Hell yeah, uh, and the and the the uh, the US Festival too. Yeah, because the Heavy Metal Day, crazy, you oh. know, Quiet oh, Riot, so Van good. Halen, Scorpions, so Tr- Priest, Ozzy, Triumph. Oh my gosh, so many fucking awesome <laughs> I, bands. Such a great day. So many people have actually cited that one, those two concerts. So yeah, I get, really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, awesome. That and like Monsters of Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one too. That was a good one. But Icefest came to my mind first. So absolutely, I dig both for sure. Yeah, of course. Do you have a favorite city or venue you like to perform in? Wow. I, you know, I gotta say, in, in, in America, or are you talking worldwide? Worldwide. Wow. Now, see, now you just made that harder. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed. And, and now, mind you, Blood Feast has been to Germany four times, five times, and they've been awesome shows. But we played Osaka twice, and Osaka, Japan, was just an amazing experience. It was a small venue, sold out. It had been sold out for weeks, months even. You know, it, there's just something to be said when you're performing in front of a couple hundred people that really don't 
speak English very well, if at all. Right. But they love it. They just were totally into it. I, I, I can tell you a quick story. Before we went, um, or excuse me, when we got there, you know, we get a, you know, we get handlers that could speak both English and you know Japanese in case you know when we travel throughout the day or whatever. And he said to us, he said, listen, just so you guys know, like, don't be worried if the fans just stand there and, you know, clap and then that's it. And then it goes silent because that's their culture. Just don't be shocked by it. So like, that's cool. No problem. Well, man, I can tell you there was a curtain in front of the stage. And when we got introduced and the curtain rose, that place was a madhouse and people were stage diving and moshing and it was intense. To be in a country singing in English where they don't really, where English isn't their, uh, you know, where they speak Japanese predominantly, it was just an amazing experience. So I always say Osaka, Japan was one of my, it was one of those moments like at the time Joe was our drummer before we got Adam and like we literally left the stage and we just cried in each other's arms because we were so overwhelmed by the emotion of the show and the people. And it was just an amazing experience. So definitely Osaka, Japan was the, was the, the city. Can't remember the name of the venue because I don't speak the language. So, oh, right. but anybody that listens knows that we played Thrash Fest, uh, Trick Thrash Fest in Japan and still know the club. Hell yeah. See, that's super cool. That's got to be one of those things that's like when uh, Rammstein first came to America, you know, singing in German and people learning the German lyrics to the songs, you know, that's got to be like that deal where, you oh, know, man, they it, sing in another language. Bro, it, 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 it is amazing. And the one thing that makes me sad, and I've said this when we've gone to Germany, I've said this when we did Peru. The one thing that makes me sad is when someone is trying to tell you how much that you or your music or your band mean to you and they, and you can't understand them. And that is the worst feeling for me because I, because I, I want to hear what they have to say and I want to understand it and I want to embrace it. And I know in my head what they're trying to say, but obviously, you, you know, I can't understand it because, you know, I, I don't speak that language. And that is so hard for me because I, I, I you know, I love to hear what people have to say. And that, that's, that's one of the hardest things for me when we travel overseas. Because I've had the pleasure of telling people who I admire how much I feel about them. And it's an amazing feeling. So if someone, you know, someone's trying to come across to me and tell me how much that my band means to them, or, you know, if we got them through a tough time, or, you know, they like this certain song, or, and, they, and, and they're trying our hardest, and you're just like, you know, you, you just hug them. Because <laughs> that hugging is obviously the universal language. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that that's that's one of the really um, interesting parts of, of being able to do that. Pup. Oh, absolutely. I'm in a in my personal line of work. I deal face to face with a lot of immigrants. Some oh, okay. of them don't speak don't speak English very well, if at all. Oh. And when you know when you're trying to help them in a situation that it's very hard, you know, because you you oh. just kind of feel bad. I get you on that. Yeah, and I have it's to sit there. Man. The, luckily enough, you know, uh, on on the new iPhones, they put the the translate feature where you can just talk into it and oh, okay, select yeah. it, and yep. it and it says it back. So that's such a, a lifesaver on stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I definitely get it. You said you were recording some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Is there a yep. target date we're trying to get this year for that? Can I can well, I pry that out of you? Sure, sure, sure. We don't have a date because we have to turn into Hell's Headbangers, and then they kind of have to figure out how long it's going to take them to produce it. You know, master it, get the artwork done. But I can tell you, music is done. Everybody's done. I have to go in and do my vocals, and once that starts, we'll be able to bang that out in a couple of weeks. 
So I am going to say, you can quote me on this, because now I'll put a time limit on it, so now we got to work harder. Um, <laughs> I, will say, <laughs> I will say, what are we in, February? Yep, this is, I would this say is the February the 27th. Is, okay, so I would say recording, mixing, I would say hopefully we'll have a release date announced by fall of this year. Awesome. And of course, I'm sure with everything, with the, with the resurgence of vinyl, you're going to have vinyl copies. You're going to have CD, digital, and cassette, I'm sure. Yep, yep. Yeah, Especially dealing with uh, yeah, Hell's Headbanger Specialty with the cassette, the limited edition cassettes, you know, and stuff like that. And, yeah, yeah. And just, yep. that's so cool to me, like, the, the resurgence of some of these, like, don't want to say necessarily dead technologies, like vinyl and cassette, that have come back in the last, like, six or seven years oh dude it's crazy i i would never expect that i'd still be buying vinyl today and and you vinyl know, at out, like a an amazing, oh ab- absolutely yeah that, and an amazing quality product of vinyl yeah yeah that is for sure all right so i'm gonna switch yeah. gears here really fast you know okay Let's go into personal stuff here about you. These are some general profile okay. questions about Chris here. You know, what makes Chris tick? Because as the <laughs> pandemic has beat into us over the last year, we're all in this together and we're all people. <laughs> I really am looking forward to a time where I don't have to say that. <laughs> you know, we're all in this together. <laughs> if, uh, if but anybody... we are, man. Like, life... We're all in this together. It's life. But you know, I mean, life is right. all together. Yeah, so we, that's right. We need each other to get through. Definitely. What's your favorite film? My favorite film, I would say my favorite film is Night of the Living Dead, the original. Ooh, yeah. So was that yeah. 66? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think believe so. it's, I believe it's yeah, something like that. Yeah. You, don't, yeah. you don't like the, the, the when they did it in color. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you know what, bro? I love the color. I am definitely, like, I'm a huge movie fanatic. So, like, reboots, reboots, that doesn't bother me. As long as I'm entertained, I, I don't care. But when I first saw that as a kid, I don't know, it just, like, it was just so, you know, because the movie's not about zombies. It's about, you know, the human, you know, the human culture, the nature of how humans react with each other and, right. you know, how they get through, you know, uh, crazy situations. So I don't know. There was something about that movie that I was really, really attracted to. And of course, zombies are, you know, the coolest thing ever. So definitely for me, Night of the Living Dead. What's your favorite color? Black, of course. <laughs> I should really take that question out because it's. <laughs> I'm a metalhead, man. Black, black. But uh, you know what? I'll, I can I can go blue. I can go blue. Definitely. Well, no, I mean, black, you guys. Black is. Black. Yeah, because if you look at the uh, album artwork here, you all have got a, quite a bit of blues on the album artwork as well. Yeah, yeah. I think black. I think black and blues are such are so killer together. Like it's some uh, black and pink and black and purples. I think are great colors together. Hey, that's gonna. I think we're gonna do that on my next uh, seven-inch release as a black and purple splatter. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, black, black and purple. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. All right. I know we just started this, but I'm gonna take a real quick break. We're gonna come back with some more Chris Natalini from Blood Feast here at the Metal Forge. Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. 
Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. Who would be a dream musician you would either want to meet or work with? That's kind of a twofer because just because you want to meet somebody doesn't mean you want to work with them. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Um, so I would say my favorite singer, I don't know if that's one of your questions, but um, my favorite singer of all time is David Lee Roth. But a hero, a true blue hero of mine is Zetro from Exodus. Oh, yeah. So I would say Zetro. I think that I would love to meet now. I met him a long time ago when I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager. Um, super nice, super great dude, changed my life. But I would love to work with him because I, I, I'm just, I love his voice. I think he is one of the coolest human beings. Um, he, he is just, he is the epitome of a metalhead. Loves it all, doesn't matter, and is, is just as big as a, as a, God, as a, a star he is, he is just as big as a as a, a fan, and I think that's something. I think that's so cool that kind of like Rod Halford, you know, where he, you know, they're music lovers, they love metal, but they're also a huge fan of it. And there's something I I really think that about Zetro a lot. Oh, definitely, and his new uh, his show on YouTube and pod, I believe it's a podcast also, where yeah. he's just interviewing some pretty cool fucking people on there. Like one of the guys, yeah, is and, like and a, it's just. Yeah, they're just his friends. Like, they're just sitting around bullshit, and I think that's killer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, shout out to him if he's ever heard the show. So, <laughs> Zetro, <laughs> yeah, Zetro kicks ass, you know. I mean, if there was anybody to have ever replaced Bailoff, it, it would have been Zetro. So. Oh, 100%. 100%. And that's another thing, too, that I like about Zetro. He doesn't shy away from, you know, he don't, he doesn't, he has no issues with doing Duke's era of excess or oh, no. Bailoff. He, like, he doesn't have those issues. And that just shows you that he ha- doesn't have an ego. He understands the excess catalog. He understands what the fans want to hear and he's okay with it. And that, you know, obviously being a singer where I replace, uh, uh, you know, a pretty unique singer, that means even more to me that, you know, he would do the same thing as, you know, him and I think the same thing that way. Oh, very much, because there's so many bands out there that will replace singers, for example, and and rightfully so, to a degree. Rob will not do any of Ripper Owens' songs. Right, you right. Know? Well, and, and Belladonna won't do any John Bush-era anthrax, and some of the John Bush-era anthrax is amazing. Oh, right, absolutely. Because it, it's yeah. di- it's different anthrax. That's the thing. It is it is way different, but but you know you can't let that catalog just die. I mean, they're great songs. Oh, definitely. Which I was interestingly enough, the last tour I saw Maiden on in twenty nineteen, they actually did Bailey songs. Oh, see, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is like you know they played the Klansmen, and I was like, this is fucking interesting. You know, to see Bruce do blaze song sure. that's so fucking cool sure, sure. so yeah, yeah that was definitely an interesting thing what was the first concert you ever went to rick springfield yeah the living the living in oz tour um me and my best friend bob went um his uncle took us and uh that was my first concert 
So if if I were to ask, what year would that be? <laughs> I'm going to date you. You know here. what, brother? Uh, you know what? Um, let me see. Because uh, if it's like 91, I'm going to be like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 83. Right on. Not, not. Yeah. So, yeah, you weren't well into adulthood when you went to <laughs> <laughs> when you no, no, I, no, I was, no, I was a, te- no, I was a teenager. I was a teenager, and then you know, just going to that concert just obviously opened up a whole new, you know, door because I was like, because uh, my my best friend is you. I mean, I like Rick Springfield too; he's a great songwriter. But my best friend was really, he's a really big Rick Springfield fan, and so we went together, and I was like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Definitely, which you know is um, seeing seeing bands live. That's where it's at. Oh, the studio. yeah, for sure, for sure. The the studio is just is what it is. Live is the other picture. You know that's where yeah. we make our uh, our meat and potatoes. You know, are the bones yeah. are live yep. for sure. Yep, yep, exactly. So, so what's the worst <laughs> advice you've ever received? You need a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no. The the, uh, the wow. The worst advice I've ever received. Um, don't do it. <laughs> it's probably it's probably the worst the worst advice that yeah. I've ever gotten. Don't do it. I mean, listen, when I was thirteen going to see Rick Springfield and my dreams of becoming a rock star, you know, led me to here and obviously I didn't become the big rock star that I wanted to. And then when I say big rock star, I mean you know, in terms of like you Metallica know, like, playing yeah, huge exactly, arena. Right, shows, right, exactly. Yeah. But if I didn't if I if you know, when I got that advice, don't do it. And I took that advice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here on the phone with you. I wouldn't be traveling the world. And, you know, obviously it's not Metallica status. I have a full-time job. I have a wife. I have a house. Like, you know, I have adult responsibilities, but, uh, you know, I'm super blessed at what I've gotten to do. And I've gotten to do some really, really killer things. Well, yeah. I mean, fuck, you so, played fucking Japan, dude. <laughs> oh, bro. We've been, listen, man. We've been, like I said, we've been to Peru, we've been to Germany four or five times, we've been to Japan twice, and I, you know, that's just overseas. We've been, you know, California, we've been all, you know, Chicago, we've been to a ton of places, met amazing people, and uh, I've gotten to meet a ton of bands that I admired when I was a teenager, you know, like Hyrax and Nancy Savage and At War and, and you know, Attacker, like these are the guys that... I spent my life looking up to, and here I am sharing not only the stage, but like I'm sharing a dressing room. Like, right. you know, when we went to Tampa, we played with Nancy Savage. Like, I'm in Dave Austin's house, you know, the guitar player for Nancy Savage, and I'm in the dressing room talking to Nancy Ronnie, and we weren't talking music. We were talking wrestling, and we were talking about our lives, and his kids, and his motorcycle shop, and, and I'm thinking, like, the whole time, I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking to Nancy Ronnie. You know, if you would have told teenage Chris that one day you'd be hanging out with Nancy Ronnie, I would have told you you're crazy. And, you know, when we were in Japan, I said we were with the original three members of Exciter, and I'm Ooh. on a train sitting next to Dan, the drummer and singer, and I said, dude, if you would have told teenage Chris that one day I'd be sitting here with you in Japan I'd have told you you're fucking out of your mind there's no way and here we are we were all hanging out and that alone is just something so like I can't even begin to describe those feelings meeting those people and hanging out with them and and they're friends they're you know they're peers and these are the guys I looked up to and so that being that worst advice if, if I would have taken it I would have missed out on a whole life of of amazing memories and 
meeting a lot of great people. Definitely. That See, that's super cool. This is one takeaway I'm going to take from that really fast. As you said, you were talking wrestling with, with Ronnie. Who's your favorite wrestler? Shawn Michaels. Ah! <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours? Uh, honestly, I'm a Bret Hart fan. <laughs> I know that I, I would no, listen, bro. I respect that because it's funny when I said about. I almost said when we were talking about colors, I said pink and black, and I no, almost referred Hart. to the Heart Foundation that I did. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not a big Bret Hart fan, but I totally respect what he's done. He's amazing. Uh, but Shawn Michaels was, was my total favorite. I mean, you know, I you know, obviously I grew up watching NWA and all those people, but of course, you know, the Attitude Era of WWF. Oh yeah, it's you know, nothing like greatest it. times in wrestling. So. Shawn Michaels was that guy. For sure. Oh, yeah, he he definitely was. You know, I'll never forget the first WrestleMania I bought on pay-per-view was 12. And, oh, absolutely. And when that match, that one match alone, you know, everything else, like the the Piper Gold Dust thing was great in its own right. But like that Iron Man match, fucking classic. Oh, you can't beat it, man. You no. can't. It is a no. classic among class, it's one of the top ten greatest wrestling matches ever. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What is something you've always wanted to do, but you're not coordinated enough to do? <laughs> play guitar. Play guitar. I can play this. And, and listen, you ask any of my closest friends and bandmates, they'll tell you I play a great air guitar. But <laughs> guitar, I can't do, man. I don't have the patience. When I was a kid, my parents bought me an acoustic guitar. They told me that I had lessons for like a month or two, but I didn't want to play. I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen like tomorrow. So I didn't have the patience to learn it. And I'm not that coordinated. I'm just, I'm not. But guitar play, guitar is something I always wanted to do. Definitely. I can understand that because, hey, we always have that thing that is so alluring, but we're not able to do it. You know, I like the idea of hiking for for example but like when i get into the woods and i'm just walking around i feel like i have two left feet <laughs> like i don't want to i don't want to step on something and like slip and fall <laughs> so, so i, I want to even if i would you know i don't want to say i want to save myself the embarrassment i guess if, even if nobody was around <laughs> <laughs> for sure. uh, that's awesome i love it what's one thing you change about yourself uh, one thing i change about myself i worry too much i worry because you're uh, you know because you're doing a music podcast i musically i worry too much at shows is you know are we on the same page are we going to be good tonight uh what's the crowd going to be like is the sound going to be okay you know instead of just going listen we're here we're going to play we're going to have a good time it is what it is like you know if 10 people are there then 10 people are there if there's a thousand people then that's great too you know what i mean like i just kind of i worry so much about things that i can't control um that that is my biggest downfall because sometimes i don't i'm not in the moment i'm too busy thinking about you know am i going to hit this note you know is am i going to forget this part or oh my god like you know the verse is coming up and i can't remember the first line or because i'm so focused on just worrying so much about everything instead of just enjoying being in the moment definitely so so do you still get nervous before playing shows i do i do i definitely do and and you know of course it's the old you know, you've heard it a million times where they, somebody goes, you know, the, the day I'm not nervous is the day I quit. And that is really a true statement. Um, 
whether it's the small shows or the big shows. Um, nervous because I worry too much. Could be. Um, nervous because I'm just excited and, you know, I just love being on stage. I love being with my bandmates. I love entertaining. Um, so yeah, I still get nervous. Yeah. To this day, to this day, whether it's a small club in New York or whether we're in Germany in front of 3000 people. Definitely. I feel you brother on that one. A hundred percent. Who do you wish you never saw live? Ah, <laughs> uh, who do I wish I never saw live? The Black Crows. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and, not, and listen not to get, I'm not a fan like I, I went with a couple friends of mine back in the day and they opened up their heart they were the they were so bad like it was all, they were boring They're, you, know, I, you know I don't want to offend any Black Crows fans I'm not a fan I respect what they do of course super talented right but I'm like this is the worst shit I have ever seen they were so boring they brought nothing to the table god awful God awful. Well, to me, it's one of those things, too. They're almost like, yeah, I know they had a song that was a hit of their own. But I think, you know, the the, the idea of a band that has a cover song as their first major hit, it yeah, kind of puts a stigma on the band there for, for a while, I think. Yeah. And yeah, true, I know they've true, done true. great things since then. But for sure, um they're one of those yeah. bands that I immediately turn the station on. It's like I <laughs> will too. not, I will not actively listen to to that band. Uh, it, just like, just like the band live, right? Uh, exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, we don't have a new rock station here in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, we've got Ugh. we've got nothing but classic rock stations and classic and, rock, yeah. and, and uh, pop stations, I guess you could say, in yeah. in country, yeah. But like. Yeah. When the Black Crows and Live come on the radio and I'm listening to it, <laughs> immediately change it. Or if they're in a, if we're in like a, uh, if I'm in a grocery store, I will leave the store and, and, and wait for like five minutes and go back in so I don't have to hear it. It's just, I know that's like weird as shit, but hey, when you've heard lightning crashes 9,000 times, you, you, I can't take it anymore. I yeah, get. I, I can see that. <laughs> Who do you lean on outside of the band for an objective opinion? Mm. I have I have uh, a couple of people in my life that will be 100% honest and without the risk of hurting my feelings. So obviously my wife is, you know, sometimes I'll get off stage and she'll go, oh, I, you know, I'll go, what'd you think? And she'll go, well, I heard you were out of breath here or whatever. Um, I have two friends. I have my uh, friend F6, who's a guitar player. That is right, F as in the note, F6 guitar player. Okay. Um, and then my buddy, uh, Rich Olson. Uh, both of them are super honest, and they'll be honest with me. And they'll tell me, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm not crazy about this song, and, you know, this could be better, or... And that's okay. Like, they're friends, and that's true. I'd rather have someone tell me their honest opinion than yes me to death. Because, you know, and I don't get offended. It is what it is. We're not, we're not perfect. Music, as you know, is objectionable. Everybody, you know, just because you like something doesn't mean I like it, but it doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I mean? Some people like jelly. Some people like peanut butter. Some people don't like them together. And that's that's okay. So those three people are, are, are people that tell me 100% honest that, you know, they're not into it or they like it or, you know, or they love it or whatever. For sure. This is spawned from the TikTok era here. <laughs> what, what is your most unpopular music opinion? Oh, this is going to get me in trouble. 
I everybody says that. <laughs> <laughs> my most unpopular. I I I can't even say it out loud. I uh, I am a fan of Nickelback. All right, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I didn't even tell you your record. I think that I think that Nickelback gets. Uh, let me explain myself. I think Nickelback gets harped on because it's a cool thing to do. Again, music is objectionable. Some people like it. Some people right. don't. No. But if you really listen, to, if you listen to some of their songs, they got some heavy riffs going on. And I'm not saying that every song is great. Some of their songs are hokey and god awful. But some of their heavier stuff is really good. Like they have a song called Side of a Bullet that they wrote about Dimebag. And they actually got the, uh, they had, there's a lead in the song that they got from Vinny that Dime never used. So they put it in the song. And I know when they play it live, they have a big video screen of Dimebag behind them. Like some of their stuff is pretty, like you listen to some of the riffs. Some of the stuff is pretty heavy. So uh, I will I will say Nickelback, and I will stand by that statement as much hate as I'm sure I'll get. <laughs> no, no, you. I can definitely understand what you're going with there because that's it's definitely a band that you're right. It, they do get harped on because of who they are, and and granted, some of Chad Kroger's antics over the last ten or so years have been a little been a little crazy when it comes to oh yeah you know adre- sure. addressing the for crowd sure. and stuff like that yeah um <laughs> but no like i've seen them live that was i went to a show and it was the craziest fucking lineup ever it was sponsored by jim beam years and years ago i, was, I think silver side up had just came out oh okay and um it was sponsored by jim beam and it was filter hank the third nickelback Ooh. and montgomery gentry <laughs> <laughs> so wow seriously that's yes. it I, that's, if that came to philly i'd have gone and seen that show yeah i mean not really a, a fan of like hank the third but like no you no. know uh, filter that was the reason we were going to the show was filter oh okay okay and so you're a filter fan or the person you went with was both her okay fans. okay so and okay. then and then just you know they were playing so it's like well you know this was before all of the the hate started on them so we went to see them. Hey, they, they put on a good show. Not going to lie. And yeah, you're right. They, I think they have some stuff that they write that is just different. I like to hear yeah. cultural difference things when people write, like calling something a Chesterfield, which is a couch. If right, nobody right. knows, you know, like in good, right, time, right. the song, good times gone. So yeah, I totally right. get you here. What cool. else? Well, thanks. Yeah. So we're both going down. Yeah. We're both. <laughs> we're going down together. Go, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hey, hey, Bond said it the best with shot down in flames, right? No. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> for sure. Uh, what album is an entire playthrough for you? Oh, that's so easy. Uh, Exodus, Pleasures of the Flesh. Mm, yes. I, I'm really picking up a hint that here that you're a huge Exodus fan. Oh, brother. Well, listen, listen to my vocals. I am, I will not shy away to tell you that I rip off Zetro like nobody's business. And I am proud of it. And see, I'm, I'm the same way with like Paul. <laughs> I'm like, <"Ugh." laughs> yeah. <laughs> I listen, man. I mean, I can't help it. Zetro is a huge influence. And that's when I sing. It's just, you know, the kind that's, you know, it, it's Zetro is the excess I grew up on. And, and, you know, that's just what kind of oh, comes out. And absolutely. I, you know, I, I definitely would never hide it. Oh, definitely not. They're super, super awesome guys. Uh, my band opened up for them on the Human Condition Tour. 
Oh, nice. And when they came through Louisville and super fucking cool dudes, Gary was just like, so what are some cool haunted places around here to go to? And, you know, we're telling them and shit like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's super, amazing. super fucking cool dude, you know, and I'm, amazing. I'm glad that he got the gig with uh, Slayer and everything oh. uh, with, oh. you know. Oh. He's he's irreplaceable, obviously, but if they needed somebody obviously. to replace Jeff, he was definitely the right pick, I think. Oh, for 100%, brother. 100%. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish this out. We're going to jam some fucking Blood Feast, and we're going to have a kick-ass rest of our fucking day. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge this week. I really appreciate every last one of you that listens. But before I go any further, I do want to tell you, that we do have a Patreon page here, and there's three tiers. There's the Dion and Dirty Dollar tier. It's just a buck. Hey, you're not going to miss a buck. Nobody does. Then there's the $5 Showstoppers tier, which you get a patch, stickers, whatever we have that's in that price range. And then there's the $20 a month Master, where you can get a t-shirt, any size, any color of the Metal Forge logo. Fuck yeah. That's awesome stuff. Oh, and by the way, if you donate on there, guess what? You get the show two days in advance from everybody else. Thank you all so much. It's patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. Check it out and donate today. I love you guys. Thank you. What album changed your life? Uh, Metallica's Kill Em All. Definitely. That was, uh, that was the first album that really kind of introduced me to what became thrash metal now obviously there were some albums before that and i've gone back but when you know at that age because i was at that age i was listening to you know priest or you know i was listening to van halen i was listening to kiss like i you know that was kind of what i was into and then i saw the kill em all cover and then uh i heard it and i'm like man it just it just you know just the, the opening riff of hit the lights and i was just like wow what is this and then you know it just kind of thrash battle just was has been in my blood ever since well i agree with you because you said you were listening to things uh people like priest and kit and on and these bands and the bands that metallica drew their influence from like priest and diamond head and right right Tigers of Pantang and all these bands that I think they've performed, they had like a kind of a retro influence on a lot of these bands. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Because when you, when you think about after, you know, Metallica really got noticed with Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning, a lot of these other bands, the Judas Priests and Diamond Heads and things like that, they ended up getting heavier. Mm hmm. You know, yeah, for sure, man. That's 100%. Just as much as, you know, Black Sabbath was the turning point for heavy music in the the generation before. Yeah, yep, definitely, man. Super, that is absolutely true. Super cool on that. All right, before we get to the last question, do you have any shout-outs you want to give to anybody? To all the Blood Feast fans, to all the Blood Feast legions who have been with us from the early 80s to now, thank you, thank you, thank you, and hopefully we will thrash with all of you soon hell yeah and as always in the description below you will find links to blood feast to their official stores to follow them on instagram and facebook along with uh all of the episodes of the metal forge in the archives hell yeah final question here what advice would you impart to somebody young getting into the music business um work hard Practice your craft because there's always somebody better than you. 
And once you have that in the back of your mind, your ego will always be in check. Work hard, be honest, stay true to yourself. Definitely. No truer words have ever been spoken. And I agree with you a hundred percent on that because you're right. There's always going to be a faster gun, as they say. Absolutely. Listen, man, I've seen many, many of better singers that could be in the spot that I'm in. And, you know, I, I, I know that. And I think that it's important that you realize that when you know you're not the, you know, you, when you know there's always somebody better than you, it does. It just, it just keeps you in check. It just, it keeps that ego down because you know that, you know, if you mess up or you cause issues, you're out. Somebody else is going to be in your gig and, you know, they're going to be better. So it just, just, you know, keeping yourself in check. I, I think it's really important. I think egos kill bands. We've seen it a million times and we'll always see it throughout the history of music. And we've seen it before and it's, it's, you know, you have to keep them in check. You have to keep your ego in check and you have to work hard. Absolutely. Chris, Thank you so much for coming on to the show this week. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to the new release, as well as, obviously, listening to the past catalog, because it's fucking killer shit, as, you know, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so, Well, my brother, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure, and I am flattered and honored that you would ask me, and um, it was really, really great talking to you. I really appreciate the time. Uh, definitely. And uh, always looking forward to new stuff here. So pulling back the curtain here just a little bit for the listeners, I messaged you on Instagram about getting this interview. And it was because yeah. I'm doing a kind of a, a metal curation uh, deal in a record store here in Louisville, Kentucky. And I had featured oh. Chop Sliced and Diced limited to oh. 666 black vinyl copies. <laughs> And, and you, and, and you had put on there, you know, thanks for the support and all that. And we thank you as well. So off of chop sliced and diced, what do you want me to play out today? Oh, I want you to play, play dark side. All right. Thank you again, Chris Natalini from blood feast. This is dark side.
hey, are you all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now, I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out, UKR Patcher, on Facebook and Etsy. 